Hello and welcome back to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. We've been away for far too long, but at least we've finally shown up, which is more that can be said for the Wales team, perhaps. But moving swiftly on, I'm joined as ever by Steve and Carol. Evening, Steve. Evening. Let's um, briefly mention the uh, disaster that was the World Cup for Wales before we get into all things Swansea City, and we'll keep it brief. Um, you went out there, of course. Um, I gather the trip was more enjoyable than the football. Yeah, I think uh, no one would be too shocked to learn about that. Um, very disappointing, really, wasn't it, for uh, from a Wales point of view. Um, the second half against USA wasn't bad. The rest of it was was awful, really, wasn't it? We... You know, we, the, the the point against um, USA won the bad results. Iran, we were awful, so poor. One of the worst Wales performances in a very long time, I would say. And nobody really was looking forward to the England game then, especially because the travelling from Dubai for the games was quite grueling. It was the first game we were out with the hotel, 24 hours, 18 for Iran. And then, you know, for the last game, 18 again. But also we were flying home eight hours after landing back in Dubai. So... Yeah, um, nobody was that enthused about that game, but look, it is what it is. Um, it was a great experience, great to go to a World Cup. We shared a hotel with Argentinians, that was great fun. We were, I was quite pleased that they ended up uh, winning the trophy. Um, but yeah, the the actual football was was crap, wasn't it? Let's, uh, let's be realistic about that. It's well, by the time Argentina beat France in that ridiculous final, um, it's hard to remember that we were actually in it at that in the competition at that point because we've been well out of it uh, for a long time at that point. But um, yeah, it is what it is. We'll move on from that swiftly because uh, there are very few fond memories from what happened on the football pitch in Qatar. But um, yes, we moved on to come back to South Wales and return to championship action was a uh, visit of Norwich City to the Liberty or Swansea.com stadium, Steve. Um, early goal settled this one. Very early, to say the least, wasn't it? Um, very poor goal to give away. Bit of a, a theme, should we say? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Someone else pointed it out to me, actually, six passes backwards, I think, from kickoff, given to Lata Baudier, who obviously playing at left-back, out of position. Um, that wasn't great. Um, and then, yeah, a soft goal conceded from a corner. So, yeah, we had a few decent openings in that game, I thought, but um, a lot of them were crosses in the air, weren't they? And let's be realistic about this. We don't have the height, do we, to, to really deal with that. So, yeah, that was... That was disappointing, wasn't it? But look, it is what it is. Um, yeah, a bit flat. Uh, I think the crowd was a bit flat really that day as well, wasn't it? It was quite a weird one with the World Cup still going on and us resuming and and that. But um, yeah, not not the best way to to get back to to league action. Yeah, so we're rolling on seven days then, and you're thinking half time in the Coventry game. You're thinking okay. Um, not a great first half. Then the absolute nightmare start to the second half, and we find ourselves three 0 down with an hour on the clock. And you're thinking, "Wow, this is big. This is a problem for Russell Martin. This is a, a thumping." Um, and then they come back, Steve. Yeah. Um, well, I, I went to that game with my father, and I did say to him early on, "There's no way that this is going to be." A nil-nil because you could just tell it was quite open. <clears throat> he had a couple of chances at um, the start, and Cham in particular started quite well, I thought. Um, but then just again, poor goals. I mean, I look at the first goal. Grimes has given the ball away in the opposition half, and they've all of a sudden they've got three on two. Ben has made a good save, and then um, they've scored from the resulting corner. We've 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 really got a problem again, and we defended set pieces. There's look at two goals against Wigan, there was one against Birmingham, this is before, obviously, we went to the World Cup, the Norwich one there, again, against Coventry, it's, you know, concerning, really, isn't it? Um, and then, yeah, they've, they've scored too quickly in the second half, Pio Carrez obviously got one of them, um, played very well, I thought, actually, but um, we looked dead and buried, and me and my father were looking at each other, thinking, are we going to, you know, stick this out until full time, or are we going to think we can, you know, get out of the car park slightly quicker if we we leave a few minutes before the end, but um, obviously, to be fair, we, we really came back very well, didn't we? And um, yeah, goals from Perot, Fulton, and Cullen just 
gave us a point that we weren't expecting, and a point we probably would have taken, I think, before the game as well. But a three 0 down, obviously, you you definitely would take um, a point. So, yeah, it was definitely a point gained, I would say, um, and not a dull afternoon uh, to say the least either. No, I bet not. I bet not. And and it's at this point then we take a break for Christmas and. Uh, Merry Christmas to all of the Jackass listeners, as we weren't around for the for a few weeks, as you can gather, around that time. Um, we came back on the 27th, Steve, because the game was televised, so we moved forward a day, or lost, moved back a day, rather, um, playing away to Reading, and same old thing come back to, comes back to haunt us. It's a goal from a corner, and it's that man, as ever, Andy Carroll. I am sick of him. Yeah, I I am sick of him as well. Um, same as you, really. It's um, you know, it it just feels like every time he plays against us, and it all always seems as well as if he's never injured before he plays us, and obviously he's quite an injury-prone player, isn't he? So really frustrating um, that was, wasn't it? Um, it? Did feel like um, a soft goal, probably not the the usual Andy Carroll one, because obviously quite often it tends to be a header, doesn't it? But you know, Bender. Hasn't done brilliantly from from the corner. Um, oh, sorry, the, the free kick it was, wasn't it? But we made all our own problems again. I mean, Cabango should have really put the ball out for a throw instead of a corner. Corners come in. We've yeah, they haven't scored from it. But then Audi Cooper's beaten too easily, gives away a foul. And then in comes that cross, and like I said, Bender makes um, a bit of a mistake as well. Then so it's disappointing, isn't it, um, to concede like that? And it had to be Andy Carroll, didn't it? As uh, as it always is. So. Um, yeah, look, uh, gave us giving ourselves a mountain to climb again, really, weren't we? Um, we had a big chance before that, didn't we? Ollie Cooper really um, should have scored. But, um, I mean, if you're going to ask me about the first 13 minutes, oh, don't bother because uh, traffic was like nothing I've ever seen. It took five hours to get there, and uh, I did miss the first 13 minutes. So, um, not one of my favourite away days that I've done down the years, I can assure you. <laughs> One bright note for Swansea was Colin carrying on his scoring um, run, which we'll see continue as well. Um, we'll we'll touch on him in a little bit as we move on through the games. But um, yeah, we'll just uh, touch, put a little note in that one because um, it was one that we didn't really expect, as he's been not really featured a great deal. Um, under Russell Martin. So you see how he comes along and how he features and in the coming weeks. And we've seen how he has improved and how he's adding something to the Swansea front line as well. So we skip forward now to the day before New Year's Eve. On the Friday evening, we played against Watford down the swan.com stadium, Steve. And... Whoever had this scoreline on their coupon deserves everything they get from it because I don't think anyone went there thinking we were going to trounce Watford four 0 No, I don't think um, I don't think anybody did either. Really, um, you know, it was it was a reasonable first half, wasn't it? Um, you know, maybe not brilliant, but it, I think it was better than what we'd seen, particularly after Reading, um, which was very disappointing. Um, but I think it was Cullen to be fair did really well, didn't he, for the first goal and put Perot in and. You know, Perot was at his critics this season, but I did actually feel confident on that occasion for once that he would find the back of the net and probably a chance he didn't really have to think about much or, or take a touch uh, before pulling the trigger either. So, great to see him on the score sheet. And, you know, we haven't been in front at half time too often this season, I think. Certainly not recently anyway. So, that was important and um, we built on it really well in the second half, didn't we? Yeah, we did, and um, it was uh, that man I mentioned a few minutes ago, Liam Cullen, who got the, I think, what it's fair to say, the all-important second goal in this one, because, um, as you say, we built on it, we built the strength to strength, but you need to add a second goal. One goal is such a, a, a dangerous scoreline, especially without a defending, um, so we needed a second, and Cullen provided it, and I guess now is as good a time as ever, Steve, to mention how well he's not just uh, adding to adding goals to the game and adding um, that sort of side of it because we know from his time when he was playing um, bit part player under Steve Cooper that he's the sort of player that can find himself in the right place at the right time. His positional sense and where the ball's going to land is is very good. But uh, other parts to his game often left lacking. He didn't look like he could provide 
an outlet. He didn't look. He looked like a lost sheep sometimes out there. Um, he needed to get the ball in the six-yard box and, and wait for him to get on the end of it rather than him being part of any sort of build-up play. What's different about Liam Cullen now playing up alongside Perot is how involved he is in the game. And I think that impresses me more than his goal scoring, Steve. He's really a handful for defenders. Yeah, I think what I liked about him was you could really see he was working his bollocks off, really. I mean, he was chasing down the lost causes, giving us you know that good energy um, that we've needed and, you know, let's say, certain players that I'm sure we will touch on later yeah. have not really been provided, have they? So, you know, that you ask that as a bare minimum from everybody, but it does stand out a lot from Liam Cullen because, you know, it does feel as if he's running himself into the ground. But, um, yeah, the, the goals then are the, are the bonus, really, aren't they? Like I said, it was a good assist, wasn't it, for the first goal for Perot, and then he's managed to get himself on the score sheet with a nice finish as well. So it is encouraging, really. I mean, I was looking at Cullen and thinking really needs a loan spell now, desperately at minimum, doesn't he, just to get some regular football, but it does now feel as if maybe he's he's going to get a bit more football here than than what we thought, so that you know, I'm, I'm all for it if, he, if we're going to see performances like we did uh, do in the Watford game, because you know if we're looking at the bench, certainly um, in the Burnley game, which we will come to at some point, um, it did look a bit threadbare because certain players are now not featuring, so you know, we need um, more players, ideally, and you know if they can come from within the squad, ones that have not been playing, stepping up, then you know that that's probably the best scenario because it means we don't have to bring anybody in, doesn't it? Or certainly means there's one less player to bring in. Yeah, if we can find it from in the, within our ranks with our budget, we should absolutely take the take that opportunity. As um, another player who's shone this season beyond all recognition is Ollie Cooper. Um, I think his involvement. And his appetite to get involved, he is he was crucial for the um, for Perot's second goal as well, which was um, a superb uh, uh, arrowed shot into the far corner off his left foot, which is something we saw so much last season, less so this season. But his determination, Cooper, when he went over the ball to get back up and keep the strength and win the ball, and is the sort of thing where him and Cullen are showing, which I guess you get from local players. Um, that really, really want to leave everything on the pitch, which really shows up others who aren't doing that. And again, we'll, we'll touch on it um, in a little bit. But um, those two players in particular, leaving everything out there. And what's helping, perhaps, in the Cullen situation as well, it, obviously he's got Cooper, a willing runner, all the time to, to be an option for a through ball or to receive the ball off him. Um, Russell Martin changed the setup for this game. And it can't go um, without mentioning, Steve, how different and how much more threatening we looked. Scoreline aside, because um, he went to the back four, rather away from his uh, preferred back five. And um, we ended up uh, dominating in pretty much all aspects of that game. Yeah, we did, didn't we? I think, you know, from my point of view, I wanted us to to change to um, like a back four for a while. I just felt that, you know, this persisting of Lata Baudier as a wing-back really doesn't work. Um, you know, he's not good enough going forward. But I think as a full-back, you can get away with it a little bit more. And he hasn't played too badly in that position. He doesn't have to go forward as much, obviously. So that's a help for a start. And, you know, I'm not against us going back to, to wing-backs at some point. I mean, if but we need to have the personnel to really suit it. And it feels like this doesn't. But I think playing with like two up front seems to to have been better and, you know, like more of a, a midfield diamond. Um, it does seem to have, have worked better. We did have more energy in the team, I think, with the likes of um, Cundall and Cooper providing it. And, you know, as I said, uh, Cullen as well. And that's something that's been lacking a lot, isn't it? So it did seem good. And I'd like to see us actually persist with this for for a little while because, you know, it, does, it would make sense for us to, you know, see how this works because, let's be honest, the wing-back situation has not worked that well. Um, so why don't we try and, you know, persist with this for a bit and see how we get on. Obviously, if we do bring players in, then there is the possibility, isn't there, of, um, you know, um, trying to revert to, to wing-backs because you'll then, maybe the personnel is better. But it did seem to, you know, work um, work better, didn't it? So, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think just a quick... Um analysing the way the full-backs play um, and the wing-backs play in the back five, we look so much shakier at the back as well in in that in those games because 
the wing backs are playing so high that we end up with a back three and they end up stretching across the 18 yard box. Um, so you are going to have a situation where Nathan Wood is playing covering left back or Cabango's playing covering right back with Harry Darling in the middle or, or, or a combination of that. And then they end up stretched and they end up chasing wingers because the our wing backs have lost their men and stuff. It just ends up a mess. And it, I think it's contributed to a lot of goals conceded um, when we get caught on the break and stuff because we haven't got a great deal of pace in that back in the in that back three then. Um, but as you say, with a back four, then you, it, it all keeps a little bit more tight, and um, it, which is kind of ironic, really. We talk about Latibodier being better at the back, and yet he pops up for the fourth <laughs> against Watford in their six-yard box. So um, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that um, we, we won the game because the setup and the style was um, frustrated Watford. They were poor. Let's not get away from that. Watford were very poor, but we didn't give them a sniff, and I thought we did very well. Um, and we were clinical, and we had the energy, and it was, um, I guess, one of the results of the season so far, you know, and you look at the impact that will have on the rest of the season going forward, potentially, because of the changes he made for the game, it could be pivotal. Um, so we'll move on from that now, and we hit the turn of the year now, so Happy New Year! All the Jackass listeners, I hope you had a great celebrations and enjoyed yourself. Uh, we're going to take the break now to say that this is the point in which the transfer window opens, Steve. And now we look at the implications of that from us. There's already been bits and pieces that have happened for the Swans already. If you want to give us a quick rundown on what's already happened to get everyone up to date. So on Thursday today, obviously, um, Jordan Garrick has gone to Forest Green. Um, undisclosed fee um, so it's, it's not going to be much is it I mean he's got six months left to run um, it's fairly obvious Martin didn't rate him so makes sense to um, to move him on uh, Brandon Cooper has gone there alone as well hasn't he so again that's not a, that's not a bad move I don't think he's somebody that needs to play and he's not been playing here so in that case chip him out on loan give him some exper- experience Um Morgan Whitaker. Now that's one we probably need to to discuss in a little bit more detail. I mean, the impression I get is that he's been recalled to be sold. I mean, I yeah. Martin didn't really say that he was in favour of it, did he? Um, it was more a case of that the owners have made the decision. So you don't call you don't call a player that you want to use um, an asset, do you? I mean, that sounds like. It's figures on a piece of paper, and that's with all respect to Morgan Whitaker, but it does not sound like Russell Martin has any plan to use him at all. No, I don't think he does. Um, so I do have a little bit of sympathy with Whitaker. I mean, he's been doing well at Plymouth, and understandably, probably wanted to stay there. But from the, uh, the club's point of view, he's our player, um, and if we can, you know, extract some value from him and then use it to bring others in, then. It's the right thing to do, isn't it? But you know, it can be tough for players. I think in this situation, if you're somewhere you're doing well, and then really through no fault of your own, you you ended up uh, pulled out of that situation. But look, um, from our point of view, the, what we need is is the most important thing. So if we can ship him out, and that allows us to strengthen, which is something that we need to do, then um, got to be all for it, really, haven't we? So yeah, that's that's how I'm looking at. It. I mean, the other one was. Finn Stevens obviously has gone back, hasn't he? I mean, mm. he never really had a chance, did he? And that's that's fair to say. I mean, so how can we, from a fanboy, it was tough to judge him, isn't it? It's another one. I mean, it, it, there's a there's a running theme of loan players that have been sent here from Premier League clubs that haven't had um, game time or haven't impressed. Um, obviously, Reese Williams came in from Liverpool. We had that boy whose name escapes me from Man City. Benny Burns. Uh, yes, Burns, sorry. Yes, last season. Um, yeah, and and Finn Stevens adds adds himself to that list now of, of loan players that have come in and, and not been used. Um, you could say to a certain extent, Oko Flex, he's certainly be underutilised. Um, I think. I think there's not many Swans fans who disagree with that sentiment. Um, yeah, there's really, when you look at it, I mean, well, 
other players as well. You, you forget that Sarnola's only on loan and he's been in and out. He was a favourite at the start, then he was out, then he, we saw his face briefly the other day. Um, so he's another that is... Um, he was one that Martin worked with at MK Dons. Um, I guess one of the only ones who really featured heavily was Ethan Led. So there's question marks, isn't there, over Russell Martin and loan players. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, it does seem like it's a Marmite thing for him, isn't it, really? I mean, he either likes you or he doesn't. And like you say, Led was someone that he already knew, wasn't it? So I think he was always going to to be a fan of him, really. But yeah, it does seem like the others, not so much. I mean, he did those Sorinola, didn't he? But yeah. he's not played as much as maybe we would have thought. I mean, he's probably had more starts than some appearances or, or whatever, isn't he? But he's not been massively popular. I mean, Kundal is... Is he first choice? I mean, I, I don't no, know. Again, it's, uh, it's probably about half and half, isn't it, he's played? So, yeah. yeah, and then, like I said, the others, Flex has had one start and a lot of sub-appearances, and he's... Well, Martin was very cold about him earlier, really, or, or the other day, I should say, because he just said that we told him that if we get targets in that we want, he won't play much, but, uh, you know, if otherwise then he stays, he will, like, get minutes, but he won't get a load of minutes. I mean, it's not, it's not great from his point of view, is it? I mean, if you're West Ham, surely you're thinking... Pull him back. back. <laughs> yeah. You'll get game time at most clubs in this division. I've, from what I've seen of him, <clears throat> he provides a sort of creativity that we are lacking in this squad. Um, I'd like to have seen a lot more of him. Um, but for his development, West Ham might just take that decision for us and say, well, okay, we'll call him back. It, obviously, it depends on the terms of the loan and, the, and, and how it's structured and whether they can. But um, no, no, nowadays, there's normally a a termination point halfway through, isn't there, where either time either team can break from the contract. That seems to be the way they work these days. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, <clears throat> that's it from definites, but there's plenty more that's going to happen in this window and some that we know will happen. It's just a case of when. Um, we need to look, first of all, at the, the two... Elephants in the room, if you like, in Oberfermi and Patterson. Um, both have been shown pretty much a green light to leave the club from Russell Martin. Uh, it looks like that is going to ca- happen this window. Um, Burnley for Oberfermi looks like they're still interested in the uh, in the Irish striker Steve, so that could be something that uh, we look to make happen because there's he's a player that has a value. Yeah, um, that would be a godsend from our point of view, really, wouldn't it? If um, if they are interested in him, because look, let's be honest, I think Oberfemi has finished at this football club. I, I think it really does seem like that is the case now. Um, it's it's disappointing because Oberfemi is a good player on his day. The second half of last season he was one of our best players, scored a lot of goals. His pace is very important for us because hardly anybody else at this club seems to have any. But Oh, he's so frustrating because he's just obviously a bad egg, isn't he? It feels like he doesn't do his best often enough. And, you know, there's various rumours of him being a pain behind the scenes and you're just thinking, you're not with the ass on it. And it's it's disappointing because there's nothing worse than seeing a player is there that's got real talent and they can't be bothered. I mean, we've spoken many times and we on this podcast probably and off it about the likes of Jefferson Montero, Baffetin, B. Gomez. These players that have got this ability, but they don't show it often enough or, or anything like that. And, and they're the worst types, aren't they? Because, you know, you, like someone like Cullen, I don't think is a great player at all. I'm sure most people don't. But when you watch him and you see him really trying hard and you're, you're thinking to yourself, I'd much rather have him in my team than Oberfemi. And that's damning because Oberfemi is the better player. So it's frustrating. I mean, Patterson, has, it's been funny all season with him, isn't it? I mean, he, he was in the team at the start. He, he did okay, I suppose. And then disappeared for a while. He's, he's come back in out of the cold since the World Cup, but not really done a lot. But and we've got to be honest here, since the the issue around this time last year, the guy hasn't offered much. I mean, I haven't got the stats to hand, but I don't think he scored. And I think there may only be one or two assists. So, yeah, it's it does feel like he's not really offering a lot either. I mean, I, I do like Patterson, and I, I don't know if there's more to it than meets the eye or something like that, because... You know, he is clearly a, a good character at times, isn't he? I mean, you look at some of the tweets that were he'd come out with and, and everything like that, and it's, it's hard not to like it. But Well, I think that's a good point to make as well. When you talk about Oberfemi and Patterson, one thing they do have in common is they're big characters, 
And that can go one of two ways. When things are going well, and you saw the Swans media team release these videos and Patterson and Obafemi were like, you know, the comedy duo, um, where they were constantly on the wind up and doing things. And when things are good, you want those kind of infectious, um, maverick characters that just kind of like bounce off each other and just have a laugh. But when it things aren't going great on the on the, on the pitch and you need people to knuckle down and show hard work, that's the other side of the character, which perhaps is the reason why these two are looking likely to leave the club now. Yeah, it does seem like that, doesn't it? Um, you know, we just... <clears throat> we we need players that are at it all the time, don't we? I know everybody will say the same thing, but I mean, you really do. I mean, you can forgive people with the odd, the odd off day and stuff, but I mean, it does feel as if though some of those guys are, are not giving their all all the time, and it's just isn't good enough. So, you know, you, you we really need to move them on if we can. I mean, as you say, it does seem like Burnley might still be interested in um, Obafemi. So, if that is the case, then. You know, if we're really struggling, uh, I will book a day off and I will take it myself because we need to get that deal done. And if someone is interested before any more bad revelations come out about him, we've got to uh, ship him out of the door. So that's why I see that one. And then I did see earlier Mark Robbins, the commentary manager, talking a little bit about Patterson. So wasn't exactly uh, not interested. So maybe there's some interest there. I mean, if we can move these guys out, then it will be for the best. But we have to then bring people in. I mean, as I said, that bench against Burnley did look a lot more threadbare. If we're losing people, I think people have to come in. I'm not saying we've got to go berserk spending money-wise. We've got to get people into cover. We we, we need more than that. Um, yeah. Especially if we're serious about top six. I mean, the league is so tight. I think the key to anybody getting in there could well be a good transfer window, couldn't it? If someone brings in a three or four that will make a big difference, I mean, that might be a team that gets in there because it does feel like it's so tight that, you know, the, that type of thing is going to be key. So, yeah, we need, hopefully we've got irons in the fire. It does seem like we've, you know, we're interested in a few players, but it doesn't seem like anything's close either. So, I, I'm assuming it, that... And this is what's yeah. really disappointing because a few weeks ago we were told we were in extremely advanced stages with a few and it was all a case of, we. Were, it felt like we were in a case of waiting for the window to open just so we could officially sign contracts but um, it's been open a few days now and nothing appears to be close. Now Swans have had a history of being able to hide things from us until they're actually done and dusted and that works best when it comes to fighting off any potential bidding wars. Um, so, you know, we, we, we wait and bated breath and hope that's the case but um I was speaking to another Swans fan the other day and it felt, we both agreed, it feels like a pivotal moment um, for Russell Martin. And the way his press conferences have gone um, this season, they've become more and more blunt, less professional. Um, he's, he's been given giving headlines out left, right and centre because he hasn't been... You know he's he's happy to talk down at players and 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 tell say it as it is, which is a quality I remember, <clears throat> quality or whatever you call it that Gary Monk had, and it may be classed as a a naivety, uh, which is my personal opinion is sometimes you you really want to get rid of a player, you want to talk him up to high heaven, how brilliant he is because you want to get something for him. You want people to want to bang down your door. If you want Oberfemi at the club, what you don't want to do is tell every man and his dog how bad an egg he is, because that's going to put everyone off. So this, my opinion on that is the way he's been talking, it does come sound a lot like he's, he's very frustrated, whether he's frustrated with the performances on the pitch or whether he's frustrated with the backroom side of things, with the ownership and... and this window could be, could, well, it is going to be pivotal in my money. It's going to be huge. Um, he's talked, and the club have talked, about backing Russell Martin in January if there was an opportunity for us to get into playoffs. Now, we've seen recently with the change of shape that we do look more threatening. Um, we've let a few players go. Um, there are others, as we just mentioned, who are first-team players. They're on their way out, Steve. Um, if he's not backed and we end up with some deadline day rushed players in, then it, it does not look good. And I wouldn't blame Russell Martin at that point then for thinking, 
what's the point in staying here? Because he'd been fed false promises again. Yeah, I think that that is you know true to a point, isn't it? I mean, you know, we do have to give a manager a degree of backing. I'm not saying we've got to go berserk or anything like that, but no. you know, it it needs to be one out, one in, doesn't it? Within reason, I think. Yeah, you know, and I think that's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, when I was thinking, to be honest, with you, when you know we were on that good run, it did seem like apart from Joe Allen, everybody was fit, and you were looking at the bench and thinking. You know, this I know you, if you're taking out the fact that one or two of them were not maybe at it as they could be, but looking at it thinking though on their day, we've got quite a lot of decent players to choose from, and it felt like if everybody was playing well, and there was good competition for places, that we'd be in a strong position. So, yeah. you know, but all of a sudden it doesn't really feel like that, does it? So it does feel like we've got to bring about three in, you know, and probably shift about three or four. So. Yeah, it is. Look, it's going to be a, a big month, I think, but far bigger than probably what maybe we thought before the World yeah. Cup. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, they, they could, and the fact is, it's a weak league this year. The top two look home and host. They're probably only going to have to have an average run to to really, you know, consolidate the top two place because everyone else is so poor. So, there's a good chance to get in the playoffs, probably, and someone's got to win it. No, I think whoever does win it is probably going to find things. No, oh, they're on a hide into nothing next year, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll find it very difficult, but the, obviously the money on the table, yeah, and obviously helps you. And then from our point of view, this lot might decide to sell up, or maybe Silverstein will will buy it outright, and then things might be different. I don't know, but that's that's certainly how they should be thinking. Is that this could be a chance because this league really is a much of a match. So if they can do some good business here, we we could really be in a strong position. But um, you know, it remains to be seen, doesn't it? I'm sure players will come in. Whether we do exactly what we need or, or close to it remains to be seen. There are about 12, at least, other clubs in the division having the same conversations that me and you are having because it is so tight. And the, op- the opening and the opportunity to get it right this window and push the playoffs is huge. As you say, it's just wide open. Um, we're only a couple of results of getting back in there. So it is just crazy considering... Um, the way the season's gone, that we are as close as we are, um, and that is a testament to just how poor the league is, really, and and the opportunity for someone, as you say, Steve, to 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 get it right this window, um, with a bit of backing, a bit of trust, um, could see them uh, solidify a, a top six place, and. There's not much in this division. There really isn't. I think we always talk about the championship being the best league and how competitive it is and anyone can beat anyone. This year, it feels a lot like the opposite, that, yes, everyone can beat everyone, but it is because teams are really struggling for any sort of form or consistency. There's no... There doesn't, like you say, the top two are blowing everyone else away. And let's be honest, as we come on to it in a bit... Even um, Burnley, whilst they were absolutely destroyed us up at uh, Turf Moor, when we came, when we invited them down here, it was a very different fixture. But we'll get on to that in a bit because we need to talk about a couple of other players as well. Um, we're looking at the defending, defending, defensive situation, Steve. If it's not bad enough already, uh, two fullbacks are both looking like they may leave. Uh, they both had the contract and they both turned down new deals. Yeah, and again, this could obviously play into the potential for more business in January. So I think, obviously, Ryan Manning, the the one that we'd like to keep, I would say, because he's been one of our best players this season. And we have struggled to bring in full-backs or wing-backs that the manager has liked. So we, we need to to keep him, ideally, I think. You know, we have got to be realistic at the same time. I mean, if, he's, if his wage demands are crazy... You know, when he signed that contract, we were on parachute payments. So maybe now we can't offer the same amount. So we've got to be realistic about that, haven't we? So, you know, I would rather keep him, I think. And, you know, if we were to then lose him for nothing, it would be annoying and a shame. But at the same time, might be what has to happen. So, you know, we'll um, we'll wait and see on that. I mean, I think with Lata Baudier, it's a bit more of a surprise because I think there's quite a few people that think he possibly shouldn't be in the team. I'm one of them. And he's been offered a new deal, probably on more money than what he's on now. And he's saying no. And I'm thinking, well, you're in the team here, mate. Um, you know, the manager clearly rates you. You've been offered a new deal. <clears throat> Why aren't you signing it? I don't really understand. I mean, from my point of view, 
we're talking about what I would describe as a backup centre back. Certainly not a first choice wing back or full back. So, you know, he should be offered a contract in line with that as opposed to one as a first team player. So I'm thinking if someone comes in for him this month, I would happily sell him because I don't want him playing so much. So So let me let me stir the pot on this one and speculate. There was rumours in the summer window that Vincent Company was interested um of taking him to Burnley. Um they know each other from Man City. They've spoken about each other previously. Um, they shared a chat and a hug after the game uh, the other day, um, which is, again, is, is piling all these little bits together and saying, well, maybe he's speaking to Burnley and waiting for all the ducks to uh, line up before he agrees a deal there. Um, and and maybe that's where, we're, maybe that's the reality of the situation. Maybe he goes... Um, waits for Burnley to come in or talk to the club and say, look, we'll take him off your hands to the fee or whatever, or wait until the summer and we'll take him off you for free. So it's um, it's just my speculation as to, because obviously your question is, and it is mine too, is why would he turn it down? First of all, why has he been offered it? But secondly, why has he turned it down? Um, and I think him turning it down suggests that there may well be something more interesting or financially better for him on the table elsewhere that he's waiting to see if it comes to fruition before he puts his pen the pen to paper, you know? Um, Why the there is something better on the up. table, I don't know. What's that? Why there's something better on the table, I have no idea. No, but, I mean, this is football, isn't it? And I think yeah. I think it's no surprise to anyone listening to this that Vincent Company is a, is a... Well, it might be a surprise, but it's no... It's not a secret that Vincent Company is a fan of his, um, and uh, they've spoke. He's spoken about him before, so I'm just trying to piece together why, having been offered a deal which perhaps a higher than half percentage of Swans fans would say, "Well, we shouldn't be doing that in our situation. We should be looking for better um, and and saving his wage on that." But if that's the situation, then maybe there's something else in the pipeline, and we'll find out as the month goes on. Um, as for potential incoming, Steve, there's been a couple of names banded about. Um, we're just looking to see if anything comes to fruition, but I think the most frustrating thing is nothing appears to be imminent. No, it doesn't, does it? I mean, Og Ben from from Rotherham has, has been mentioned, doesn't it? Um, but I guess we can't buy him unless we um, sell someone first. So, you know, and, and I've got to be honest, I mean, if I'm Rotherham, I'm thinking to myself, no, we're in the bottom six. The chances of us staying up are probably a you know a bit fifty fifty at the moment. If we sell Og Ben, then the chances probably increase a fair amount. So if I'm them, I'm thinking similar with Manning with us, I'd be thinking, well, we've got to keep him. So yeah, um, I'm not convinced they're going to sell him this month. We'll see. Obviously, if they get like a, a huge offer, the type that we probably can't afford, maybe they will. But I'm I'm not as convinced he's coming like gonna get sold as everybody else, but look, we'll see. I could be wrong on that. I mean, he is a good player. He played against us on the opening day and looked quite threatening. Player that can play at wing back or, or further forward, um would be a good one. But you know, we there haven't been many strong links elsewhere really yet, have there? No, there haven't. And it, there's been the usual journalists linking certain players with a group of clubs and we've been in that uh, bracket for a few players um so i think at the moment we're very kind of scratching our heads a little bit on what we expect to see coming in but i think what you said earlier on is bang on the money and that we need to see one in for every one out um particularly in every first team player that leaves uh, needs to be replaced so we're looking at already Finn Stevens, whether he played in the starting eleven or not, he was in the squad. So we've already got a space on the bench there. Um, how Okaflex's situation plays out, we don't know. Whitaker, we expect not a feature when he's now he's back. We expect him to be look to be moved on. There's rumours that might happen for Ipswich, Steve, um, which is a double whammy for Plymouth. Yeah, it would be one that um, obviously there. Them being promotion rivals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- th- this type of thing might be interesting as well. In, in the case of, obviously, if Whitaker was to play for us, 
on Sunday in the FA Cup, then he can't go anywhere this season other than Plymouth because you can only play for two t- uh, two sides, can't you, in the same season. So I'd be amazed, for example, then if he plays the weekend. But obviously, if he does, that tells us we're planning to keep him. So that there's your like little indicators, isn't there? But thinking about it, or maybe he's already played for Plymouth in the Cup. So if he has, we can't play anyway. But we will, you know, whether if he's still here by the time of Sunderland, if he's in the squad or whatever, then maybe he is staying, should we say. But if he's not, then we're probably looking to sell. So, yeah, we, look, we've got to try and get things done, haven't we? It's, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I just don't want to be sitting here in two weeks' time saying that we're still waiting for certain things to um, to happen before we can make these signings because it just, I hate waiting to the last few days of the window, as I think all football fans do. Um but with Swans, it very rarely ends happily. <laughs> it ends with some sort of panic and some last-minute sale on the cheap um, because we need to sell players to keep balance the books. Um, it's it's a messy situation, transfer windows at the moment for Swans in our current financial predicament, but we have heard, and all we can go on is what we've heard from the club and Russell Martin, in that there were deals, and this is going back, two or three weeks ago, which are very advanced and, you know, and, and, and ready to go, you know. So if that's the case and, and that's not the world being pulled over our eyes, then hopefully by the time we speak to you next, we'll have some better news and some um, more interesting talking points on incomings for the Swans. But let's not be too critical on the fact that there's been no imminent links of anything happening tomorrow because we've seen in the past that these things can happen by the club with very little media attention on them. And that's one thing the club can get right from time to time. So let's fingers crossed that that's what's happening. And it's, next time we come back to you, we'll update with anything else that um, that have occurred since. Um, so let's move back to the football, Steve. And let's talk about the most recent game. We'll spend a little bit longer than the others on this one, which was... Um, Burnley's visit to the um, to the to the Swansea.com stadium. I'm never going to get used to saying that. Um, do you know what? One of the most enjoyable games I watched this season, particularly the opening 45 minutes. I thought, and I remember saying to you at various points in it, I'm bloody loving this. It was blood and thunder. It was 100 miles an hour. There was commitment. There was tackles flying in. We had a ref who'd forgotten his whistle or something, but there was just chaos on the pitch. But it was everything that I wanted to see and everything I will want to see with the intensity, with the commitment, everything about it. And I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter if we win or lose this game, because if I watch us play like this, more often than not, I'll be happy. Because I don't think it's always got to be about winning as an end product. We saw under Steve Cooper that he won more, a lot more than we lost, but left a lot of fans, including myself and yourself, feeling a bit like, at what cost is this? Because we just felt like we weren't enjoying the football anymore. The football in the first half of Burnley, I thought, was was excellent and it was a real joy to watch. Oh, it was, yeah. We We played really well, didn't we, I thought? I mean, we... Obviously, we we did cost ourselves with a couple of goals, but I thought like going forward, we were so much better than we we have been in in other games and stuff like that. We we really took the game to them. I mean, I thought Joe Allen in particular was brilliant. I mean, that was arguably the, the best he's played since he he came back to the club. He was everywhere. He was getting stuck in. He was playing forward passes. I mean, I think that's one of the things I liked about us the most is that it felt like we were genuinely trying to. You know, make things happen. Right, instead of playing the safe ball, we were playing the more advanced ball, and we were getting in. I know we quite often we probably didn't have the number of chances that maybe we we should have had. I think it's just a few times the ball would or the run would break down sort of just before we get to that that point. So, which is obviously it's disappointing. But when you're doing that, if you knock on the door enough times, eventually it opens. So, you know, it was it was encouraging. I I thought, wasn't it? I mean, it was far better than what we've seen in in a lot of the other games that we played. And, and like I say, I know obviously we, we didn't end up getting anything from it. But, I mean, if we play like that in a lot of games, we'll pick up a lot of points, won't we? Um, and that was what the encouraging thing was for me. So we've set a bit of a standard now, I would say, for ourselves. And we need to be seeing that a lot more often than not. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier on that while Burnley blew us away at Turf Moor, it wasn't the case when they came here. And 
they, they got gifts, didn't they? Um, the first one um, is inexplicable, really, isn't it? I think Cavango, if he can't make that five-yard pass, he needs to do nothing else for the next four or five days than stand on a training ground and make five-yard passes because it's a simple one across to Darlin. And he, Darlin's going backwards and he's played it a few yards in front of him and all of a sudden we're in heaps of trouble. And Darlin has to pick up a yellow by hacking down his man. And fortunately, there was cover because that would have been a different colour otherwise. Um, so you think the danger's over and then you have an absolute dream of a free kick going off the far post. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's little you can do about that. I mean, as, as you say, I mean, the, the criticism comes from Cabango laying off a, a very poor pass, as you said, and then Darlin taking the one for the teams because he felt he should, and in most cases, that's the worst that happens. You, it's a free kick in a good position, but obviously not a lot of teams will score from it, but obviously um, Matt, uh, Burnley have got Ian Matson who is a bit of a specialist, and it's a cracking free kick, and not really a lot you can do about that, and then Straight away, where we're chasing, aren't we? We are, and I think um, if you didn't learn our lesson from Ian Matson's uh, <laughs> wand of a left foot, we did uh, get hit again by it. Um, but later on, Steve, when um, this one was, it moved. It was very powerful, but you have to say, Stephen Bender. Hang your head on this one. That was really poor goalkeeping from him. He needs to get two hands on that, push it over the bar, punch it away, whatever you have to do. Do not let it go through your grasp into the back of the net from that distance. Yeah, I mean, as you say, the the ball definitely moves, but it's not an excuse, is it? You have to save that. It's it's bread and butter, really, for a goalkeeper. And I mean, he'll be really disappointed. I mean, the one thing I did like from Russell Martin with this was that he did more or less come out and say, look, he should save it, but he's been really good for us this season. So it happens and he'll bounce back. Now, that's a far better message to convey yeah. than some of the other ones he has where... Where he's thrown people under the bus. Yes, exactly. So I thought that was fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with saying someone's made a mistake, but if they have been good for you over the course of the season as well, it's important to probably try and justify that point as well and say, look, everyone makes mistakes, which, which we know, and Ben made one there. And, um, you know, um, hopefully he will bounce back from it. I mean, the... He wasn't the, obviously the, he cost us the goal at Reading with the poor, poor pass and failing to take the cross wasn't great either. So probably isn't in as good a form as he was. But at the same time, I do think we should stick with him. It's not a question for me um, about changing oh, anything. So he's far and away the best keeper at the club. And I think even in the games where you say and you rightly say he's not in the best form. You know, at the start of the second half, he races off his line to make a really important stop. Um, you know, and keep us in the game. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that is the thing with him. You do trust him on situations like that where he will dig us out and he has done that in the past. So I'm I'm more than happy with him, you know, in the team. It, it wouldn't shock me if in the longer term that Martin does try to change the goalkeeper, like maybe in the summer or something like that. But as far as I'm concerned, the, the best goalkeeper at the club is Stephen Bender and he absolutely should be in the team. Yeah, oh, I think we're a long way away that changing um, in the league. Um, he's, uh, I, I guess we were we we were speaking the other day, weren't we? And in the ca- case of Stephen Bender, um, he is as well rounded as you're likely to find, in my opinion, at this level. Certainly within our budget. I mean, he's a keeper who, um, by and large, is commanding and crosses. Yes, he hasn't been as commanding lately as he usually is, but um, throughout the season he has shown that he c- he can do that. He's a he's a, a huge frame. He races off his line. He closes down. He he has kept us in countless games this season for his quick reactions. Um, was it was it Watford where he made the double save? It was, wasn't it? The 4-0 yeah. against Watford. It was yeah, a fantastic right. double save on the line. And those sorts of reactions are things which you can... Over- well, I say you can overlook them when they happen for you because you just they, they get lost in the history. And I, I, I just do that because I didn't mention it when I talked about the Watford game, which just goes to show how huge... Um, would it have been 1-0 at that time? Well, 2-0, it was, it, was, it was... The game was still close at the point of the double save, I think. So I think when you look at that how important he is to the team. And there's players who are up for debate and stuff like that. He isn't one of them for me. 
Um, but the game, the, the game eventually um, got away from us. I think the sub of Joe Allen was pivotal to the to the result because, as you talk, spoke about his energy, the way he got about, the way he threw himself into everything first half. Um, once he went off, we I think we lacked that little bit of bite, that little bit of spark in midfield. Um, and without trying to be too critical, because I was really happy with a lot of that performance, I think we didn't really look very much like getting back into it, barring that injury time and Cham shot across the goal. No, that's probably fair. It was a day where, from my point of view, we were looking at the bench and thinking the options are not there. So that sort of shows how we need to strengthen. I mean, and Brentford, uh, sorry, um, Burnley are bringing on Ashley Barnes, for example, aren't they? Yeah. You know, and it's it's a different ball game then. We, we know that their budget's very different to ours anyway. And it's, you know, we, we don't expect to be in, in their ballpark, but that's the situation that we're up against, isn't it? And we, you know, we didn't really have the options to, to bring anybody on. So, yeah, just sort of rams on the point that we need to bring people in. Yeah, I was... They'll go back up. They got the parachute payments to help them do so. Um, I think they're uh, they come with a strong squad anyway, Burnley. Um, before we um, move away from it, um, I know people hate. It's easy to say when you win, but Vincent Company had some nice words to say about the Swans after the game, Steve. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Um, and I thought we did deserve some credit because, as we were saying, really, we we did play particularly well in the first half. I mean, it's. It did seem a little bit extreme that he was saying like we were we were better at pressing than maybe Man United were and stuff like that. But yeah, um, like he obviously did seem to think we were a good side. And you know, Burnley obviously are on this great run. They look like they're you know going to go up. So you know, I can imagine that Vincent Company probably hasn't said too many compliments about many teams impressing him this season. So yeah, it is. It's, I think it's good for for the team. It sort of shows that you know what we're capable of. So. Yeah, they just they need to, you know, just cut one or two errors out and bring a couple of players in. Then, you know, we could be in a good position this season. There's a, there's definitely a chance in it, but you know, it's it's such a bizarre league and that we've gone eight without a win and you know, then we next thing you know, we win a game and we're on the verge of the playoffs again. It's it's particularly mad, isn't it? It is. And I think if we were saying after the Watford game, Wow, here we go, I think it's important that we didn't lose that after the Burnley game. And I think there was more than enough in that performance to say we play like that. As you said a little earlier on, Steve, we play like that every week and we'll win a lot more. Well, I say it now, if we play like that every week, we'll easily finish in the playoffs because playing with that intensity and creating like we did and with the runs of Cullen and Cooper and the, providing the file for Perot, I think maybe now, uh, I'll just... <laughs> to a negativity sandwich here because the performance was outstanding for at least 45 minutes of the game, the energy, the intensity, the aggression. Aggression is another word which has crept back in from from um, when Russell Martin spoke about it after the red in defeat. Um, we saw it in abundance against Watford and we saw it again against Burnley. It's something that I'm more than happy to welcome in. But here's my negativity part of it. Joel Perot, if his head hasn't been turned by someone signing this window, then something is seriously off because he didn't want to run, he didn't want to challenge, put in perhaps one of his worst performances in a Swansea shirt, and there's some competition for that this season. He's really, something's not quite, and now coming off the back of two goals as well against Watford. It is strange, isn't it? I mean, we've, and all season it's felt like he's not really been Know, completely at the races. I mean, but look at against Watford that when he got that second goal, was per, the Perot of last season really, you know, shooting yeah. from outside the box and finding the bottom corner. I mean, we haven't seen much of that at all recently. So when I saw that, I was thinking, oh, maybe now this is the this will be huge for his confidence. But I mean, it did seem again like his touch was off. And and as you say, I mean, when you see Cullen really working as hard as he does, you couldn't help but look at Perot and thinking, Are you, you're not really don't look like you're busting a gut. You're like. You could do so. I mean, it's difficult to say with Perot now that selling him in the summer wouldn't have been the right thing to do. It's and it's disappointing to think of it like that because he was so good for us last season. But yeah, it's not it's not gone great, is it? And again, like you say, he did not look 
very good, did he? So I think if we looked, if we had, I didn't see with hindsight to say, but if we had sold him in the summer and ended up with the same striking roles that we've had this season, um, we'd be calling the board all sorts, wouldn't we? Because we'd be saying, how can you get rid of this guy and leave us in this situation? As we've seen as it's played out, um, his value is probably less than half as it was six months ago because he was, um, we were talking. We were talking high teens in the millions, weren't we? Um, for for the sort of price we would sell at. Um, and there were a few rumblings of Leicester, weren't there? Looking at him being interested, but um, he's here. And I think whether he's been badly advised or whether there's more whispers now this month about someone wanting to take him, whatever it is, it's best for everyone if he starts putting in a shift. It it makes no. I know people will respond and say he's not that type of player. He's not the same player as Cullen. He's a player, but he's not doing what he did last season. He's not making the clever movements. His touch is awful. His his attitude on the pitch just seems off. He doesn't seem to want to move about. He doesn't want to find that pocket of space to score. Watford was the anomaly in that he, he, he crept off and found half a yard to smash it into bottom corner. And that was, as you say, the parole of old. But whatever it is, Swansea City will put benefit from Joel Perot knuckling down, putting in a shift. And as a result, he'll find himself on the score sheet more often. And Joel Perot, if his head is turned and he wants to be elsewhere, the best way to make that happen is to continue to score goals. So I think everyone... Um, Need, would prefer that to happen and I think it's it's the best for all parties uh, I, I've got anything to add on that Steve I think you know is there anything else you think could be going on behind the scenes? It's hard to tell isn't it I mean but it's, it's disappointing with Peru because we saw how good he was last year and hasn't hit the heights this year I suppose his goal tally isn't too bad is it but I think the big thing is he's missed a lot of chances and you think if he'd scored them we'd definitely in the playoffs and we at the moment yeah. so I think that's what's a bit frustrating, and you know, and when it probably wouldn't be as bad if he hadn't been as good last year either. I mean, when you look at how good he was then, you know, and there's high expectations, isn't there? Because he was our best player last year, and he he was sco- the goals he was scoring were superb. It wasn't just the number of them, was it? There were not many tap ins. A lot of them were, you know, stunning finishes, really, weren't they? That you know, you you became his trademark. So look, um, we hope that he can. He can get back on it. You rarely see a player, um, you'll see a player doing one or the other, but you rarely see a player both overperform on XG so dramatically and then underperform so dramatically. I, I can't think of another player that only scored like worldies last season, which he seemed to only score from the 25 yards out and top corner, bottom corner, wherever you want. And this season, he's getting the sitters, which he couldn't buy last season. He's getting the free header six yards out. He's getting the tap in from across, which he's not getting connection on. He, he couldn't get them for love no money last year. This year, they drop into him and he can't stick them away. It's bizarre. I, I can't think of another player that's had been so starved of good chances and made the most of what little they had last season and this year has been given all the chances which he would have dreamt of last year and missed them all. <laughs> it's a, yeah, he, it, it is bizarre, but no, if, if you put the two together, the XG is probably about right, isn't it? But probably. In the most bizarre way possible. Probably. It, you know, it's the the Paul Scholes thing, is that you can only score worldies, but I don't know. It's it, it's random. It's so random. I don't know what to make of it. It's, the timeline of events is telling for me the fact that he was so good last season. He didn't want it um, towards the end of last season. He made it clear that he wasn't going to sign an extension to his deal. So his head had obviously been turned by his agent um, and whispers of a Premier League move that was surfacing at the time. And since then, it's been a different Joel Perot. So, that to me is the telling element of this. There's there's a psychological issue, um, whether he doesn't want to play here anymore and he's just turning up to be professional. Whatever it is, he needs to snap out of it because he's going to do his potential and his career a huge disservice um, if if that's the case. But um, fingers crossed, this resolves itself in time. It needs to for all parties, I think. Um, right, let's look ahead now. 
to the game coming up, which is the FA Cup game you touched upon briefly earlier on, Steve. It's away to Bristol City on Sunday. It's an early kickoff, <laughs> the most miserable of fixtures, an early kickoff on a Sunday. Um, are you heading up? No, not for me. I'm, um, I've got Sunderland and QPR coming, so um, yeah, I'm going to miss it. This, I think the truth is, like, I do like the cup, but I always get this feeling we're not going to take it that seriously, and then I don't want to get there and think spent more money again. Yeah. Team, then it's like, you know, it just feels uninspiring, doesn't it? And obviously, we've already played them this season, so you know, you, I think in the cup, it's quite uninspiring, isn't it, when you you play someone from your own division, but um, at the same time. At least it is only Bristol. We are taking two and a half thousand, which is a great following. So, you know, um, it could be worse, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, there could be arguments made that Bristol won't be taking the cup um, too seriously either. It's not a game that necessarily they would have been ecstatic about. But, um, you know, when, they, when, when the fixtures came out. But they're in a, a perilous position themselves at the moment. They would likely to be concentrated on the league to make sure they're a championship club next season. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, but sometimes as well, managers might look at it the other way and think, you know, we can, you know, if we can get a result here, can build momentum. So everybody's different, aren't they? Um, it's, but yeah, I think both teams probably are, are looking at the fixture where, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can and we'll, you know, we might give one or two others a game, but, you know, as long as, you know, no one gets injured and, no one takes a pace then I think I'm not sure either manager will be too sorry to you know if they dumped out no and I think that's the the stark reality of the situation especially with the way the league is just looking at the championship table now um 10 points separate fourth and 18th in the league um if you went to 17th only eight points separate you know, it is so close in there that just a small run of results catapults you from relegation danger to um, playoff team at the moment. So, I guess the way it's panning out this season, do you, are you looking at it as a great season for the championship? Because I'm not, and I don't know if that's the wrong way of looking at it, but it's as tight as it's ever been. But it's, for me, it's... It's the opposite. It just nobody seems to be any good. No, I, I think the same as you, to be honest. With you. I don't think anybody's any good. Reading um, above us. <laughs> yeah. And they beat us the other day, I know, but like Reading are so poor. Bizarre, isn't it? They're so poor. But um yes, the, the league is an odd one. I I'm I'm expecting over the next ten games or so for it to take some sort of shape because the bottom six you'd expect to be the bottom six there or thereabouts as the season comes to um comes to a close. They're all um teams that will likely struggle, I think. And obviously we know the top two are pulling away. Um but then it's take your pick. I mean, you look at teams like Sunderland who've been hugely impressive since getting promoted to the championship. They could well find themselves a playoff team at the end of the season. West Brom Steve have had a massive turnaround and now sit on the edge of the playoffs themselves. And that's without mentioning the likes of Norwich, you know. There's there's teams there that could viably turn around and say, we will end up in that top six. And Swans need to make sure they're in that conversation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we look at West Brom. They've gone on that hell of a run, haven't they, since um, Carlos Corveran took the job. And, um, you know, they're on the verge of the playoffs now, aren't they? I mean, it says it all for how bad this league is, because before that, they were bottom, weren't they? I mean, I mean if you look at their team, it, they should never, ever have been bottom, obviously. But the fact that they've this quickly managed to get near the playoffs is, seems absolutely bonkers. But, I mean, I, I think they probably will finish in the playoffs now because, like I said, they seem to have a good manager. We already know they've got good players and the rest of the league is crap. So, in that sense, it's a great chance for them to, to finish in there. I know, obviously, they do seem to have a few financial issues. So, I mean, if they don't go up, they could be in big trouble. But um, Well... If, yeah, so we've seen documented their financial issues. I think their owner could get them in more trouble. Um, the way things are going there, it's a it's a messy situation, isn't it? It seems to be, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, not not great for West Brom at the moment. Um, but yeah, at least it's it, going right for them on the pitch, I suppose. And um, they'll hope that that could signal a return to the Premier League, which would solve a lot of their money 
problems that they appear to be having. Um, and that's the gamble, I guess, teams take when they overspend and borrow on borrowed money and et cetera, et cetera, which uh, is a messy situation to get in. They need to make sure they are in that uh, promotion picture at the end of the season. Otherwise, who knows where that finishes up. Um, so you're thinking we won't take Bristol too seriously, in which case I assume you're not going to go for a bumper away win on this one. No, I've, I've got a feeling we might see a one-all draw, which nobody wants. So but we'll, we'll see, you know. Nobody uh, wants that. Neither club wants that. <laughs> no, I know that, that's the problem, isn't it? But we'll see. Okay, I will go for a... It's, I, do you know it's hard because the recent upturn in p- performance is is enough to make me think that we will go there and try and keep the momentum up. Um, I'm gonna go for two one Swans win on this one and hope that I am right or at least that the performance matches what we've seen over the last couple of games. Keep that level of. Uh, intensity up and hope that we can um, more so not getting through to the fourth round but taking into the fixtures coming up we need to keep up every bit of momentum that we can and hope that we can build on it um, any any p- final parting thoughts Steve before we wrap it up no I don't think so I mean it's I think you know there, there'll be plenty to discuss at some point but um, yeah for now I suppose you just got to see how it goes the good thing is no league game this weekend does mean that does give us two days to potentially sort transfers out before you know we travel up to Sunderland next week. So yeah, let's hope for some movement, let's get a few more out. You know, the likes of Ogbetta on loan as well. We've not discussed that. Let's try and you know get him some game time somewhere because you know he's just wasted away here, isn't he? So I think I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm pleased that one or two like that, like Brandon Cooper has managed to managed to sort that out, and and Garrick has gone because it was obvious he didn't have a future and he was going to get released in the summer. So. Yeah, that in that sense, let's let's try and ship out more squad players. Certainly, the, maybe the younger ones on loan and stuff, and then the one or two that we've you know grown tired of, let's get rid of them, and then let's bring a few in and let's have a go. Really, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So hope that's all sorted by the time the next time we talk, which I'm hoping isn't going to be in another six games time. I will try our best to make sure that's not the case. Um, but for myself and Steve, thanks for listening to that bumper catch-up episode of the Jackcast, and we'll be back soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.